you're kind of so busy and you just have this moment like, well, I don't really love this, but I also, I created this. I thought this is what I was supposed, it was supposed to look like and realizing it's not really what I want it to look like. Hi, I'm Caitlin Peterson, the editor-in-chief of Business of Home. Welcome to Trade Tales. On every episode, I'll be talking to interior designers about nurturing creativity, finding their firm's financial footing, setting goals, and discovering their own version of success as a result. My guest today is a designer who completely revamped the way she charges and the kind of projects she takes on. It's a great conversation about building your business around what you want to do, not what you feel like you have to do. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by The Shade Store. The Shade Store offers designers everywhere a simplified resource for premium handcrafted custom window treatments. With a team of dedicated design consultants available to guide you through the material and product selection process, measure and install professionals to ensure the perfect fit, and more than 95 showrooms nationwide, the Shade Store has everything you need to design the most beautiful shades, blinds, and drapery for your clients. Designers receive special discounts and trade-exclusive access to the Shade Store's industry-leading COM program, which gives you the freedom to use the fabrics and trims you want on Roman shades, drapery, and cornices. Combined with the Shade Store's extensive collection of more than 1,300 in-stock materials, the creative possibilities are virtually endless. The Shade Store, custom-made simple. Visit theshadestore.com trade to learn more. This podcast is also brought to you by Side Door. We all know it and we can all see it. The home furnishings business is moving online and the design industry is in danger of getting left behind. Designers are getting shopped by clients and trade makers can't compete with the e-commerce giants. Well, Side Door has a solution. Using a simple tool, designers can buy, share, and sell trade products online, whether that's on social media, on a website, or direct to a client. Whether you use it as an affiliate marketing tool or as part of your digital client presentation on your next project, it's a new way for designers to monetize their taste and for brands to help designers sell more product. Request access at onsidedoor.com. That's onsidedoor.com. And now, on with the show. I was just one of those kids that was always rearranging the furniture in my house. And uh, my best friend at the time has this funny story where I was like, you want to come over and go swimming? And she came over and, she, and I was like, do you also want to help me paint my room? And she was like, that, it's like her classic story. She's like, that was the biggest ruse. Didn't think about it at the time, but looking back on it, it's probably not what your average like nine, 10 year old does on the weekends. That's Amanda Teal. Like a lot of people in our industry, it took her a while to find her way into design. For years, she was immersed in the world of horses, riding and training in a well-known barn in the Bay Area. That's where she met a woman who would lead her down a different path. I was just fascinated by her. She was this, or is, this very elegant woman. One of those people that has everything together. You know, you look at them, you're like, my gosh, your outfit is on point and you're just so well-spoken. And what do you do? And how do I, how can I be like you? Um, and so I kind of found out that she she was an interior designer. And one day I got the courage to say, how do I become a designer? And, you know, her advice was go back to school and get, you know, do these classes, like learn CAD, learn these things. And when you when you do, I will hire you as an intern in my office. After a few years working for her mentor, 
Amanda launched her own firm in 2010. At first, she took on projects as they came in and charged the way many designers do, hourly with a markup on product. But at a certain point, that stopped making sense. I wanted to talk to her about what happens when you change everything about the way you charge. Two years ago, you changed the way your firm works. Mm-hmm. But kind of what was the before like? You know, our billing structure was we would track our time. Mm-hmm. So we would do, you know, hourly time billing and bill monthly. We would charge a markup on goods and, you know, take deposits for goods and then send final invoices right before we would install things. Mm-hmm. I say, was there a sense yeah. that that was sort of like the right way to do it when you started? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've gotten that advice from different, you know, accountants and, and other advisors I've talked to. Um, mm-hmm. The hourly billing is relatively standard in our industry. What were, the, what were the friction points for you? What wasn't working? I think at a certain point, we had just started growing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you grow, you're starting to get these new opportunities, new projects, new clients, and you don't want to let those things go. So mm-hmm. you start taking them because you've been working so hard for so long, all of a sudden you have all of these amazing opportunities. And mm-hmm. so you start taking them. And so at some point, you know, you're, you're starting to grow. Well, I need more help mm-hmm. and I need to do this and I need to do that in order to service these projects. At some point, I just found myself doing more of like the business admin mm-hmm. side of things and doing less and less actual design work. I can't remember exactly what we were working on, but there's definitely a moment where you're you're kind of so busy and you've hired like some great people, but you're saying, I need you to do, I need you to go find all these things for me. You know, I'm still doing the high level design, but I'm having everyone else sort of execute on it and mm-hmm. source for it. And I'm, because I need to go look at, I, I don't even know, my accounts receivable ledger <laughs> or whatever it is, which couldn't be farther from what I should actually be doing because frankly I'm not even that good at those things yeah yeah and you just have this moment like well I don't really love this but I also I created this so <laughs> like you've painted what, yourself into a corner yeah I, I thought this is what I was supposed it was supposed to look like and realizing it's not really what I want it mm-hmm. to look like what gave you the confidence to start thinking well, I can change this. I can build this in a different way. I like that you call it confidence. I feel like I've always, (laughs) there's other things I can think of, but what would you call it? This like blind trust in things. I think I've I've always had this belief if I just work hard enough or Mm -hmm. try hard enough, something will work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, you know, kind of made a list of all the things that I want to be doing and Mm -hmm. what are the projects that I'm really enjoying and what are the projects that are still great projects, but maybe just aren't a great fit for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And sort of as searching through those things, sort of outlining, you know, became clear what I did want. When you were making that list, how did you decide what you held on to? And how did you decide what had to go? Well, I started with the most basic, which is what do I want? Mm-hmm. So I want to be doing more design work. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have such a large business that I am not involved in the details. I really like to take a deep dive on projects. I want to know everything, um, all the design details that are, you know, decisions that are being made because I think the outcome is better when, when I really have it all in my head, it helps me make decisions. Yeah. 
Um, and moving forward, you know, every decision is based on all the other decisions that have been made. So I, I like to make sure that I have a full understanding of everything that's happening. Interesting. What was stuff you wanted to get rid of? Uh, me doing accounting. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bummer. Um, <laughs> and I think just, you know, the monthly going through everyone's time billing mm-hmm. kind of you know, even if I have my project manager redline it, I still need to go through and redline it and think through, should this not have taken so long? You know, this client's sensitive to this particular, you know, this particular activity. So maybe I should reduce that or this and that. And it was just becoming a bit of a headache. So what we've started doing is um, only taking on whole home projects. Mm-hmm. Why was that? So, I say, why was, why is that kind of an important starting point? I think it's, it's also, it's like a filtering mechanism in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and in other ways, I, I like the transformation, mm-hmm. I guess is the bottom line. I like the kind of transformative process. And sometimes when you're just doing a room or this room, you're not really getting that overall feel. I prefer mm-hmm. to do the whole space. I think it gives you the bigger aha moment when people walk through their whole home and it's, exactly what they dreamed it would be. From that decision to only do whole homes, what other changes did you make? Um, I've decided to start doing flat fee design. And I think I can only do that if I do a whole home. So they kind of go hand in hand. In terms of like the whole house, no exception. like Right, exactly. There's no scope creep because it can't get bigger. It can't get bigger. I mean, you know, maybe there's a scope creep. I don't know. But (laughs) You know, that's in your contract. You can deal with that later. But as far as, you know, a a lot of a la carte services, for instance, you know, I want to do these three rooms and half the furniture in this room and Mm -hmm. maybe a cosmetic remodel in the bathroom, but not moving anything. So that's almost impossible for me, at least, to estimate. Is there a freedom in that flat fee model, too? Uh, Absolutely. I think so. Part of the Freedom is that the client feels more comfortable, too. Mm-hmm. There's time freedom. I feel like I got about five to ten hours a week back. From um, not not pouring over timesheets or? Well, that and a million other little things, mm-hmm. but yes. And um, I feel like it, it sets up a level of trust right from the get-go mm-hmm. that people understand that this is what I'm paying and I don't need to worry about it. I think that there's a level of anxiety, even if you do an estimate with projects, particularly construction projects, because you know we know they all can <laughs> Um Is this really what the number is going to be? Mm-hmm. And so when we set that up ahead of time, I think that it just sets us off on the right foot. I would have imagined, I guess, that the trade-off would have been that when you say, you know, I have this flat fee, you're giving them this really big number up front. Yep. Did that feel different or how how does that change the conversation you're having about money it does feel different and (laughs) (laughs) and i think there's a lot of sticker shock too and Mm -hmm. i but it it opens up the conversations you need to have before you start Mm -hmm. a project it's it's probably either the very beginning of sticker shock you know or (laughs) they've started to feel it but i mean the whole process is just expensive so especially furnishing a whole home Mm -hmm. is terribly expensive and so there might be a little bit of that, but I think that we then get to sit down and have a whole conversation about what's about to happen here. Mm-hmm. You know, how much work is this going to be and what value are you getting for that number? People appreciate understanding what what the value is. Mm-hmm. It seems sort of abstract 
in in the moment. It's like, wait, will you pick plumbing fixtures and this? And, and then you kind of have to say, well, <laughs> it's really a lot. It is that, but it's also so much more. It's mm-hmm. also so much project management too. Is there a client experience or a moment with a client that's really emblematic for you of the the success of the changes you made? I think for us, it's the trust, the trust mm-hmm. factor. I mean, we're definitely having done this for a little while now, pitching, you know, whole houses in meetings and having people say yes, <laughs> you know, to 10 boards or, you know, minus that one fabric or whatever it is, is, is hugely satisfying and, and not something that used to happen before. Mm-hmm in such like a large scale. So just having those, those client moments where they kind of, they knew what to expect up front and then you, you, you deliver along those lines Mm -hmm. and just having those, those moments where you leave a meeting and you're like, that was awesome. We nailed it. (laughs) It's the best feeling in the world. Is that, I mean, how much of that is the systems that are in place to make that happen? There's a great deal of creativity that goes into mm-hmm. that, but also I think the system allows that to happen mm-hmm. um, in the sense that here's the whole budget, here's the whole house in a presentation, it fits within your budget, do you like it? You know, So at that point, they're making decisions entirely emotionally, right? There's mm-hmm. no like worry in the back of your mind of this, then that, or what do all these tear sheets with the price, what do they all add up to Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. So I think it's, you know, the, the actual items in the presentation is totally, you know, that's us, but the, the system enables it to be sort of seamless Mm -hmm. the way it is. So are you telling a client up front, basically, here's your whole house, we came in on budget, and then you wouldn't, you wouldn't be like this chair costs X, this rug costs X, they're just signing off knowing that it that they can afford it, basically. Is that correct? Pretty much. We, we break it down in something mm-hmm. they can take home. But when they're experiencing the presentation, it's just... There isn't, it's that, there isn't like that impulse to value engineer it or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But taking that out has to be really powerful, too. I think so. I think you see a lot more of just people's genuine reactions to something. Mm-hmm. You know, do you love this? Or don't you love this? I don't know. <laughs> Well, is that different than the way you would present before? Yeah, we had, you know, I would present similarly, but we would, you know, I kind of would show the prices on everything, which again, I still give to people. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm not telling them what the prices totally. are. But I think as far as having that moment where you kind of create these these boards and you, you sh- you're doing the presentation, I think people are more in the moment. Uh, they're making decisions with a, you know, different part of their brain. It's mm-hmm. not... Um, well, I kind of like this, but it's this much. So I don't, you know, and there's, so, so I'm not going to get it. Uh, just being the person who's doing the presentations, mm-hmm. I can say that it's a completely different experience for the client. That's really amazing. I'd never really thought about that, that idea of separating decision making from worry about finances. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's an entirely emotional decision. And maybe later there's something where they're like, well, I don't know about that. But in, in the moment, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's always something, right? Yeah, I mean, there's much. This is not like <laughs> an alternate reality. But um, in the moment, at least you, you get like a genuine read on what people like for the right reason. We're taking a quick break from the show to remind designers about the Shade Stores trade program with special discounts on custom window treatments. 
Designers enjoy unlimited free swatches and access to exclusive designer collections and COM on Roman shades, drapery, and cornices. The Shade Store also offers free professional measurements, installation options, and expert design advice whenever you need it. Let the Shade Store take care of window treatments for you. The Shade Store, custom made simple. Sign up for a trade account today at theshadestore.com slash trade. Is, is running a firm with this, you know, whole home flat fee model something you could have done right out of the gate when you started your firm? Or did it take this evolution to make it work? Do you have to be where you are now to be successful in this way? For me, I had to be where I am now to be successful mm-hmm. in this way, because in order for me to accurately estimate that flat fee and mm-hmm. to accurately estimate the furniture budget, Mm -hmm. uh, which we also do up front, I needed to go back and analyze all the past projects I've done in order to come up with some accurate numbers. Mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons some of the people I've talked to are kind of like, don't do flat fee. It's a bad idea. Um, You're going to leave money on the table is Mm -hmm. is just inaccuracies in estimating and project creep. I guess you crunched all the numbers of your past projects, but how did you say, okay, this is going to be the winning formula for the right number for me? There's, I don't have like an actual one (laughs) formula, which is frustrating, I'm sure. Um, And part of our process with the clients is, you know, looking through the plans and really coming up with that based on mm-hmm. what they're looking for, because every client has, you know, different goals. Mm-hmm. And so I try to accurately estimate those based on their goals and what we can realistically do for the, you know, mm-hmm. within the scope. I say, have you, since you made this shift, are there, are there, have you broken your own rules a couple times to take a project that you really wanted? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What rule is it that you broke? Is it the whole home bit or? Uh, Occasionally I will break that Mm -hmm. um, if it's really clear. It's like, we want to do everything except for this room or that room, you know, things like that. (laughs) Where it's like, I can handle. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes, yeah, it's mostly project scope. Occasionally I'll just get, feel connected to someone or their story or what they're trying to do. And I'll just say, well, that sounds interesting to me. <laughs> I want you to I want you to walk me through um, the client your the client experience. If someone mm-hmm. reaches out to you, if you if you've kind of passed the fun test, you're like, okay, I like this person. I want to see this person every week. What happens next? Right? Or do they like me? Well, also? yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm assuming yeah. that everyone likes you, but um... well, I, I'd like to assume that, but. Um... You know, it depends. So assuming, let's assume they have an architect and they Mm -hmm. have a plan set um, because everybody has slightly different scenario. Um, They would send all of that over and Mm -hmm. I would review the plan set and set up a meeting Mm -hmm. to meet in person. And at that meeting, it's, it's again, like let's meet each other. Let's chat. Let's see if we, if we want to work together. And then I usually go over the plan set with them hear their initial thoughts on things. Usually it would be in a very early stage plan set. And then I would kind of give them my initial thoughts on things I saw just kind of right off the bat that Mm -hmm. I think would be, you know, fun to do or would be nice to add little things. Mm -hmm. I'll say, I know one of the interesting things I wanted to get to is I know you aren't charging for this process. So how do you navigate how much to share, how open to be, how many ideas to really give them at that stage in the project? Yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't know why, maybe I should be, I'm not that concerned about that. Mm -hmm. 
I'm totally happy to share things because an idea is an idea. Um, the, the way that we execute on that idea is entirely proprietary, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they can take my high level ideas and execute them with someone else if they really wanted to. That's interesting. So you don't feel that sense of like, oh, my God, this is my intellectual property and I have to like guard that with, not you know, with a check. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, not at this stage. At at what point are they starting to see, you know, a proposal or numbers? Or when Mm -hmm. are you starting to talk about the fees? Uh, Probably now. Okay. (laughs) Usually, usually at this, um, I would go over kind of our rough, like during the process, I I guess during the call, during Mm -hmm. the going over the process, I would sort of outline all of that. And then after we met, if we both felt like, well, you know, this could be a great fit, then I would sit down and do a formal estimate mm-hmm. packet. And so then I would come up with looking at the plan, like here, here's our flat fee. Here's the budget range mm-hmm. that I would need to work in to furnish the house. And um, sometimes I include a couple inspiration boards that sort of illustrate my, you know, vision mm-hmm. for the home. I, what, what does that vision board entail? Or when would you, when would you include that? And I feel like that's, that's actually sort of like a shocking, like, more ideas for free, which I think is so I interesting. <laughs> that So I put it with the estimate. Mm-hmm. A board would could look like anything that makes me feel inspired. It could mm-hmm. be, a, you know, a beach image. It could be a cool piece of furniture that I picture in their house. It could be some inspiration images from an architect. You know, it could be anything. It, mm-hmm. So at this point, I guess I'm still not feeling... You know, I'm not saying here's your design for your living room. Like I just did a rendering of your space. Yeah. Yeah. This is the vibe that I Mm -hmm. see for your space. So, you know, it would be a crying shame if they took it to someone else, (laughs) but it's still pretty high level. Well, how do people respond to that? Is that, is that something that they really get excited about? Yeah, I think so. I think anytime you can bring ideas and, and, and have people start to see what the potential that you see and get them excited about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great place to start a working relationship. And where, I mean, where in this then are both of you, both sides saying like, yes, we're in, we're signing a contract. Yeah, typically after that. Okay. And then we would sign a contract. I mean, it's a huge, it's so interesting because it's a huge investment. It's in time and thought on your part. Mm-hmm. Has that, has that always felt worth it? Yes. I, to get to the part where I'm making inspiration boards means I want this job, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I'm not just doing this for any project. It's like you close your eyes and you see it. I'm emotionally invested. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I like your project. I want to work with you here. I want, so I'm trying to sell you on it. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to sell you on me here. Mm -hmm. Here are my ideas. Can I get you on board? You know? Mm -hmm. Are you, are you feeling the same thing I'm feeling? You know? <laughs> Has that ever not worked out? Or have you ever gotten burned by that? I have not gotten projects that I've done that for. Is it, is it like an aesthetic disconnect or what happened? You don't always know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the other fun part about being a designer is that sometimes people are just like, thank you so much, but no, thank you. Okay. Um, I, I presume they probably found someone they felt was a better fit or maybe mm-hmm. it could be a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I don't feel bad about that because that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to get into, you know, or this is the the general direction I see your project going, I don't want you to sign a contract and say, oh, yeah, I don't want to 
I don't like what you've come up with. I want to do something that is completely against your aesthetic vision. (laughs) So it's like the last litmus test, I guess. When you've taken this approach, do you feel like the results are different? Do you end up in a different place when the project is done? I have found that by doing all of these things up front, like Mm -hmm. here's my vision, here's what it's going to cost you. Here's your furniture budget. Let's talk about it. What may, you know, what are you on board with? What makes you uncomfortable? Let me explain what the process is going to look like. I Mm -hmm. think that it really, it it just breeds trust. Mm -hmm. And so when we're all on the same page and we're starting off like that, I think all of our best projects have turned out really well when the client trusts us, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of takes it from being a really nice project to being an extraordinary project when you have that creative freedom. Mm -hmm. For me, by doing all of these things, I think it gives me a lot more creative freedom. And at the end of the day, I think it's a better process Mm -hmm. for the client. That's interesting. Why? Tell me why. I think just the transparency. Mm hmm. I think it's the transparency and I think it reduces like seeing all of those, like what's going to come in the time billing, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, you just kind of remove all the surprises because there's so many surprises that happen anyways, that at least on our end, we don't need to have a ton of surprises. We're taking a quick break from the show to hear more about a game changing new sales tool called Side Door. The first thing you should know is that it's free for qualifying designers. Second, Instead of the 1% to 3% you'd earn with a mass market affiliate program, with Sidedoor, you'll make a 30% margin on average, selling your favorite trade brands. Finally, instead of sending people to other sites, Sidedoor gives designers a way to have clients check out with you directly. And best of all, you don't have to deal with any of the fulfillment. The Sidedoor team places the order, coordinates the freight, and handles all of the customer service. Designers, request access at onsidedoor.com. Now let's get back to the show. Has it has it worked out financially? I mean, did the did that idea of fewer, bigger, better mm-hmm. kind of universally work out or are there pitfalls in that approach? I think there can be pitfalls when a project goes way over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had a project that was like a year past the due date, but I mean, you have to address that in your contract and talk about that up front. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the major downfall. Was that a construction delay or was that because of the design? Yeah. Okay. So there a lot of times things happen that are out of our control and that mm-hmm. was a construction delay. And I know that people say, well, if it's the same amount of work in this amount of time, it shouldn't be any more, but it's totally more. It <laughs> it's totally more. And, um, And I don't know if this is a pitfall, but I think that the client really does save a little bit of money on a flat fee design. Mm -hmm. Um, When you when you go and add up all of the hours, I think they do save a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. But that feels worth it to me on my end because I don't have to manage my creative time. So if I want to spend a couple extra hours taking a deep dive on something because I feel it's worth it, then I then I do. And I don't need to worry about, oh, gosh, the client's going to see this on their time billing. I hope they understand. Did it change the makeup of your team in any way? Yes. That's <laughs> a good question. It did. Um, well, it, in some ways, it stayed the same. And maybe it was about who's in those roles and like what their strengths are. So the, we still have the same maybe titles, mm-hmm. um, but kind of the skill sets that each of those people bring to the table might look a little bit different. So, you know, having an accountant is amazing. (laughs) 
um, somebody who can like double check all the bookkeeping and meet with you once a month instead of you doing that all the time is like a must have. I also have found sort of a common, a common thread in the people that work for me is mm -hmm. that each one of them cares so much about the work mm -hmm. that they're just extremely self-motivated and really just inspiring to be around. And I find that incredibly motivating. Mm -hmm. How do you I feel hire like for all, that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely hired, you know, it's taken me a, a long time mm -hmm. because I, well, as is the pattern here, I usually do a few interviews mm -hmm. um, to kind of get a feel for it. And then I've also started doing like come spend a day in the office here's some work to try. So by the time somebody is, you know, received an offer letter at this point, mm -hmm. they've showed that they really want to be there. And I think people that are willing to go through that process end up, you know, being the people that really care. So they're passionate about it. I mean, did you change the way you hire at the same time? Was that sort of part of the reshuffling two years ago or it was yeah hiring mm -hmm. is difficult for anybody I think mm -hmm. um, especially in a small business because then adding one person or one personality can just changes the dynamic a lot mm -hmm. but I was hiring you know a few years ago to get the work done that we had mm -hmm. and not necessarily thinking about what do I want to be doing mm -hmm. uh, everyone does design work in my office for the most part but I don't need a designer because mm -hmm. I'm a designer. so at some point, I stopped trying to just fill roles to get work done. And I started being much more strategic about what's the best fit for me. I know, I know keeping the firm small was really important to you. Mm -hmm. Why, when you were kind of refocusing on what your role is, why was staying, staying so compact um, so important? Yeah, just kind of going back to you know, we were, I was hiring and we were growing and we have these great projects and I'm hiring to get these projects, you know, to make sure mm -hmm. everyone's properly serviced. Um, and realizing I don't, I don't want to be managing a huge team. Mm -hmm. The same, it's kind of the same thing. It's I want to be doing more of the design work and mm -hmm. I feel more comfortable having a small, tight, like incredibly capable, talented team uh, as opposed to having a much larger team. Mm -hmm. I think that's partially my personality and and just works really well mm -hmm. for me. You said properly serviced. And I thought that was a really interesting, you know, realizing it doesn't take more people. It just sort of maybe takes a different workflow. How do you make sure with a small team that your clients still feel that same level of support? Yeah, we are all, we all work on every project. Mm -hmm. So there's no... Um, you know, different teams or anything. So that's also why we keep it small. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm, I'm very client facing mm -hmm. as is our project manager. So um, I think our clients really appreciate that when they sign on to a project with us, that they don't get handed off to somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's me <laughs> <laughs> all the time. So yeah. Um, and I think that builds that the trust factor that mm -hmm. I was talking about earlier. I feel like turning your firm upside down, changing the way you work is probably no small thing. But kind of coming out the other side of that, do you personally feel the difference? I do. I I have 
Well, A, I have an amazing team. Mm -hmm. And I think just, you know, talking about the hiring process, like I think as you gain clarity and confidence in in what you're looking for, um, people are attracted to that. People, Mm -hmm. like-minded people are attracted to that. So I think just as things get more clear, you know, the people applying to the jobs and they're reading your job description are going to be different. Mm -hmm. I have, I feel very supported. I am hoping they feel very supportive. Having a great um, team dynamic is important to me. And I think that kind of trickles down through all that we do. And I have a lot more time to be creative. Having such a small team, I've tried to just have more time for us to have fun too. You know, <laughs> well, when you could go to lunches, you know, going to lunches and doing, yeah. you know, just more fun things together. And I think that kind of camaraderie and, and bond is um, something that our clients can feel. So yeah, for me, it's just having, having more design time mm-hmm. and doing the work that I'm passionate about. That's amazing. What's the one thing you wish you knew from the get go? Hmm. Well, I think the, f- the first one is, I feel like everyone says this, but it's just to trust your instincts, mm-hmm. trust your gut. It's taken me time. Even if I knew these things, I don't know if I would have been able to execute on them earlier, but there's definitely things I've done or projects I've taken or things that I just knew weren't right. And like, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> it never ends up the way you think it's going to. Um, and then the other thing I would say, I wish, uh, promote yourself. Don't be afraid to promote yourself. It's something that I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I think it's not my personality to, to do so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's so important, especially today. I mean, I've got more clients than ever coming to us from Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if I would say anything to a younger designer, it's like photograph everything you do Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to promote yourself. What does that look like for you? Because I love the idea. I am kind of perpetually terrified of Instagram and like saying, I did this personally. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wonder for someone who says, God, I'm so sick of talking about myself or I'm I'm scared to talk about myself. Mm -hmm. How did you how did you get over that hurdle or what does that idea of promoting yourself look like to you? Yeah, I think first I had to get myself into the mind frame that it's not just me, even mm-hmm. though it is me. Um, and so it's it's not just about me. It's about my whole, whole team and mm-hmm. it's about the the health of our business. And so it's something that needs to be done in order to keep us doing what we love. So I've tried to look at it a little bit more like that mm-hmm. as opposed to like, look how awesome I am, everybody like me. This like um, huge vanity project or something. Yeah, totally. And and I, I still, I think I have like one or two photos of my face on my Instagram and those almost killed me. I was probably in a full sweat <laughs> posting them. And it sounds so stupid saying it out loud, but I don't know why. It's just really hard to, mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so I don't post as much as I should. I will say that. But the two things that I've really tried to do on Instagram is one, I only post my own work, mm-hmm. especially in my feed. Yeah. Um, and I know there's like, you know, different feelings about that. And mine is, is simply that if somebody comes there, I want them to get a sense of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them to pick up the phone and get what I would do, not what someone else would do. Because there's a, a million people I admire and things I would love to post. It just doesn't feel authentic to do so to mm-hmm. 
And so I'm, I'm aiming for a sense of authenticity and I'm also a little bit shy. So there's not that much of me personally on there, but I like to, you know, I'm trying, I'm a work in progress on I Instagram. I think that's such great advice though. What, what does success, big picture, what does success look like for you? I think just like doing inspired work mm-hmm. and, and having trusting clients and, and working with a great team of people. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I I want to keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I I um I love what I do, and I, I I like the projects we're working on, and I'd love to just keep keep doing what we're doing. This has been so incredible. Thank you so so much. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to do it. Amazing. Yeah. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. Before you go, if you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, hear more great podcasts, check out new products, or browse job openings, head on over to businessofhome.com. If you have a note for the show or a story of your own to share, I'd love to hear from you. And you can email me at tradetales at businessofhome.com. Finally, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others discover the show. Trade Tales is produced by me, Caitlin Peterson, and Fred Nicolaus. This episode was edited by Fred Nicolaus, and our theme music is by Kyle Scott Wilson. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again in two